All right, folks, welcome on into another edition of the High School Huddle, your one-stop shop for everything and all things Section 5 Sports. I'm AJ Fellman. He is Carl Jones. The high school football season is coming to a close. Uh, we both did a little bit of traveling this past weekend. I went up to Toronto for a show. Carl was in New York City. But we're back in Rochester. We're ready for the home stretch of the regular season and the playoffs for uh, for some other sports kicking off uh, this week. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? <laughs> no, that yeah, a... that was really good, Carl. <laughs> uh, man, I guess I'm gonna be an actor in my other career. But uh, no, nah, for real, it, it, it's feel like it's flown by. Like I know the first week where we you can go out in the t-shirt and the shorts, and you you good on the sidelines. Now you gotta bundle up the glove. I put out the gloves this week, so I know what time of the year it is, man. But uh, I can't wait. Like I said, every single time we get to this time of year, no matter the season or the sport. Uh, it's exciting whenever when the stakes rise up a little bit and you can just feel the intensity from the players and also the parents behind you because they know this might be their last time watching little Johnny or or Jill on the field too. So it's all it's all a cool experience and uh, I don't take it for granted. Yeah, if you're watching on any of our video platforms and you saw my face just there, that was when Carl started talking about the weather. I looked at this weekend's weather; it's not looking good right now. Cloudy, 60% chance of rain on Friday, 62. And according to the hourly, it's not coming early. So we might get our our frenzy in the rain. But hey, uh, that, that's what happens this time of year. Playoff football weather, as Carl loves it when people call it. Love playoff with the football weather, man. Football when it's weather. Nasty, we love football weather. When it's nasty, raining sideways, like, of course, when things don't go ideal, of course, that's what the sport was made for, like. I can go on a rant for 30 minutes on that one right there. But, yeah, sure. We'll, we'll, we'll roll with that one today. Football weather for sure. We'll roll with it for now. Uh, so this past weekend, we had – well, let's just – we had the game of the year in high school football this past week. Saturday afternoon into evening, McQuaid taking on Brighton. These two schools obviously close in proximity. They don't play a, a – ton especially in football they don't get together a lot but this year um i think every double a team was had an extra slot in their schedule that either they you know played team from another classification i don't think anybody played outside of section five this year but either way it was homecoming for brighton and mcquade it was homecoming for brighton they hosted mcquade and this game turned into uh just just a thriller and if you haven't if you pay attention to high school sports at all you know what happened in this game but we'll, we'll break it down for you um so brighton and mcquade playing tight down to the wire uh, i think it was tied at the half i believe and then mcquade or brighton uh took a lead of 24 to 14 they were up 21 14 they got a field goal with about four minutes to go. And it seemed like that was it. You know, McQuaid was going to fall their first loss of the season. Bright, or Brighton was going to have the upset of the year. Homecoming, pack stands, yada, yada, this, yada, yada, that. But McQuaid had a little something extra in it. Uh, they, they marched down the field fairly quickly. Uh, they did stall in the red zone. They kicked a field goal with 2.05 to go. So they had all three timeouts left. Actually, I think they might have burned one in uh, in right in uh, in that first drive. No, actually, they did have all three timeouts left. They had all three timeouts left. They kicked the ball deep to Brighton. Brighton gets eight yards, about eight yards on the first play. Stuffed on second down, stuffed on third down. They get faced with a fourth and one. Fourth and one at their own 30-yard line, their own 20-yard line, to win the game, have a chance to, you know, 
put this game to bed. They decide to punt. They decide to punt. They give the ball back to McQuaid. McQuaid says, thank you very much. They get the ball back with 136 left. They sprint down the field. Uh, John Harding, their, uh, their uh, excuse me, uh, Will DeMarco, their quarterback. John Harding, their running back, was doing a lot of work in the passing game. He just does everything. DeMarco was having a fantastic, he was shaking off defenders. He was, you know, looking like Josh Allen out there. He was directing traffic. And usually we say like directing traffic when just kind of a play takes a long time to develop in high school football. No, this was literally DeMarco like pointing at Harding and saying, go that way. Like there's open space over there. And then he'd sling it to me, get there. They got in the end zone at the end of regulation, a great play. Another time where he's buying time, directing traffic, slings it to him right in front of my camera, catches it right in bounds. And, and Brighton actually had some time left to go down the field. They got to like the McQuaid 40 yard line, but then they kind of had to start pushing the ball down to the field aggressively through an interception. So we go to overtime. We go to overtime. Brighton gets the ball first. They score in, I think it was their, it was either their first or second play. They had like a, a five yard uh, false start delay of game, something like that. And then they scored an easy passing touchdown. Great play there. And Brighton scores. McQuaid score is pretty much basically with as much ease. McQuaid gets in. Um, it was Harding for a, for a touchdown, rushing touchdown. So McQuaid has their choice. They can either kick an extra point, go to a second overtime, or they go for two, try and go for the win, get this thing over with. I was a little surprised that they went for it because, you know, usually it's, you know, the favorite wants to keep playing overtimes, you know, you know, the better team, quote unquote, you want, you want to play it out with, with as much, you know, possessions as you can, I guess, but they're on the road. They go for the win on the road. They had all the momentum, you know, they make this great comeback and we're playing this for you right now. They go for two. John Harding gets the handoff. Brighton defense is a fantastic job. He swarmed three guys behind a line of scrimmage kind of gets turned around, held up, Takes like one second to try and break free, but then starts to motion. Little pitch out to Will DeMarco, the quarterback, takes it, sprints to the pylon, dives in, and refs rule him as a touchdown. Game over. McQuaid wins. Unbelievable comeback. And and that's how that one ended, Carl. That, uh, when you were texting me the game, like back in the fourth quarter or whatever, and like Brighton was up, I'm like, Brighton got some ball players, so I'm not like all too shocked, but like, man, okay, then McQuay, off day, whatever. And I thought that would be the surprise. And then lo and behold, I get back to the station and you show me that play. That play is not shout out to John Harding, though, just like the headiness of that play. Like, that's not something that like coach ever tells you in practice. That's not something that you're ever taught. Like, that's just a ball player. Like, you either got that or you don't. Like, that's just some innate trait skill that you have that you're born with. They just always try to keep a play alive because I know like some players would just freeze up in that moment and just go down. But like Mr. Harding was like, uh-uh, like I'm not going down, like figure it out. Will like, and Will DeMarco, if y'all have ever seen him play, he's a, a really darn good athlete in his own right. So like giving him the ball in space, isn't the, the worst idea either. So just how that whole transitions turned out. I was just thinking the whole time, like, man, Harding, he was already a good bar player, but I also know he's smart now. So uh, that, that was an amazing, amazing play. There's no like, you can't sell that play up enough. And the thing we do have to say about that play, it was a really close call. 
Uh, he's diving for the pylon. He's lunging. He's right against the sidelines. Ref calls it a touchdown. It literally takes us multiple camera angles to confirm this. That's how close this was. But looking at the film, looking at somebody's uh, picture that they took, one of the photographers on the sideline, it was fairly clear after looking at it multiple times that he was just a little bit short. He, you know, his foot was out of bounds as he's diving in about two frames. So milliseconds before he lunges that over, he was just a little bit short. But that's what you do. You force the referees to make a call. Harding made the fantastic play to pitch it back. Like you mentioned, you know, it's one thing to be a ball player and fight and claw to the last second, like try and wiggle out of this tackle, get through three guys, but to have that headiness to say, all right, I'm not getting out of this. You take your chance. They make the referee to make a call. And, and here's the thing with this. Everybody is taking this one screenshot that is on my video and saying, oh, he was he was short. He was, how do the refs miss, you know, McQuaid, Riggs, you know, McQuaid, oh, yeah. Even when this play happened, people were, you know, asking me, oh, was he, was he in? Was he in? Everybody was asking me about the knee. Nobody wasn't even asking me about the foot being out of bounds because that type of play, you're not really thinking, oh, he's going to run out of room laterally. You're thinking he's not going to get forward enough to, to get that as he's diving and lunging. So just a, um, you know, nobody should be blaming the refs. Nobody should be blaming that. Um, and you know, McQuaid went for the win. And when you talk about putting in the refs hands, uh, Brighton had their chance to ice this game at fourth and one with, with 30 at, at their own 30 yard line. Didn't, they didn't go for it. You know, they get, they have a really talented uh, running mobile, big quarterback and Tyler Martinovich. They didn't uh, decide to, they left in their defense's hands and uh, they, they came out on the short end of the stick. Yeah, I'm not really a big guy in all the refs ruin game. Like, y'all had high school football. Y'all have 48 minutes plus a little bit of OT to figure that game out. Like, this is so many other opportunities, like you just alluded to, uh, going forward on fourth down. There's so many different opportunities. It's an unfortunate for sure. Like, I mean, that's that sucks. Like, there's no other way to explain that. Like, uh, but, I mean, asking the refs to worry about him stepping out of bounds, the knee ended the ball across the pylon. And then, oh, did he fumble the ball before he got like all that di different type of stuff in literally half of a second? I mean, y'all watching too much NFL where they got like 10 different cameras and like the refs can make a call and they know for a fact they can confirm it later. Like, no, these are humans in high school. Like, I know in the playoffs in certain states that like, you got replay, not in, not in the regular season, I tell you that. So, like, putting this on the refs is just not what it is. And just shout out to Will DeMarco to just putting it. Being a ball player, John Harden for pitching it back. And then also, like you said, Taron Johnson did the same thing on Sunday night. Put the put the game in the ref's hands. I dare y'all to exactly. make a call right here. I dare y'all to make a call right here. So good win by the Knights. And it's just unfortunate that it went out that way for the Brighton uh, Bruins. Yeah, the Knights did, I believe, have two turnovers at the goal line in regulation, which kind of made this one, uh, you know, certainly prompted the thrilling finish. Would have been a close game either way, even if they get those two touchdowns. Uh, but yeah, you know, a good win for McQuaid, a thrilling win for McQuaid. Brighton suffers yet another tough, heartbreaking loss. We talked about it earlier this year. They were up two touchdowns on Brockport on their home field with about 2.30 to play. And Brockport came all the way back, won it in, I believe it was double overtime. So, uh, you know, Brighton's playing some really some good ball. They just haven't been able to win it. So uh, we'll see if they can. Square that thing out for the regular season. And I barely even got to this game because Geneva and Virtus played a triple overtime game where nobody 
uh, had any strong desire to score the football there. That game went into overtime at six to six. Uh, no one scored in the first overtime. No one scored in the second overtime. I thought I was going to be there for hours in the rain. Eventually, Virtus got it done with the triple overtime win. There were some injuries there, so uh, Geneva was lacking some offensive firepower. But uh, thank the Lord I finally got to that game because I would have been mad if I'm there for a 6-6 six, six, six tuple overtime finish and and this this craziness happens. But it all worked out in the end. All Saturday right. high school football, man. Saturday high school football. Yeah, usually our Saturday slates haven't been uh, too enthralling these days. Uh, we're going to have another good one this upcoming Saturday, but uh, last Saturday was a treat. So a lot to talk about uh, in high school football. And because of all this craziness, our rankings take a little bit of a, a switch. At our number one spot in our large school, high school huddle, high school football rankings, the U Prep Griffins, 7-0. and We kind of talked about it every time we do this rankings where – you know, purely based on this year's resume, you prep probably deserve to be one, but you know, they're both undefeated and McQuaid's won four straight sectional titles. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta knock off the King, but you prep keeps on rolling. They really have not played anybody close this season. And with the way McQuaid uh, kind of struggled with Brighton there, you prep goes to number one in our rankings. Yeah. I don't see any debate about that at all. It's not like not saying McQuaid is a bad team, but I mean, at, at some point you got a reward for what you've done throughout the first seven weeks of the season. And you prep has, well, even when they've like kind of, I don't want to say stumble, even when they just like kind of jog through some points of their games, you'll look back up. You're like, wait a second. They up 30. Like, I think it was the Penfield or Fairport. It was a Fairport game actually downtown. I'm like, uh Oh, like, am I gonna have to stay and get some Fairport highlights just in case this one close? Man, I get back to the station. They won by like 30. I'm like, all right, bro. Like, I, I think I wasted like 10 minutes of my time. But yeah, you prep really darn good uh, program and um, clicking on all cylinders heading into the final week of the season. Yeah, Aquinas, against Aquinas, it was close at halftime back when Aquinas still had to figure things out. Turn into 33-7. You prep candidate was close at the half, 27-7. You talked about Fairport. Penfield, 34-0. Um, they haven't given up more than 14 points this season. The only game that they gave up 14 was to rush Henrietta when uh, they ended up winning 41-14. to So I don't think their defense was worried too much about those touchdowns. And they're going to get Hilton this week. Another uh, tough test for them on the road to Hilton as they try and close out the regular season. Uh, number two, McQuay doesn't go too far. Don't worry, all you Knights fans out there. Uh, they dropped down to number two at 7-0 on the season. They have played some, you know, some tight games. Fairport only lost to that, or Fairport, McQuaid only won by seven. Fairport had a chance driving in the red zone to try and tie there. Obviously, we just talked all about the Brighton game, and Hilton was close too. So McQuaid's still 7-0, but um, certainly, you know, they've played some tight games. We'll see if they can keep winning those going forward. At three, East. Nothing to be said there. Another blowout win for them there at 7-0 on the season. At number four, Victor. Not much to be said there. They uh, they take care of business against uh, Gates Chilai in, in dominating fashion. However, the one thing I do want to say there, uh, Jacob Laughlin was in back at quarterback for them. Uh, the senior, you know, Eric Torres struggled in that Churchville Chilai game. They bring in uh, Laughlin, who, who leaves them on that comeback drive. And he he was starting against Gates Child. So we'll see what they do down the stretch. And at number five, moving up two spots in our latest rankings, the Aquinas Lil Irish, the, the surging story of this high school football season. They move up from seven to five with 
a really nice win over Hilton uh, last Friday night. Yeah, really, really nice win. Uh, and they had, I think they got stopped in the red zone twice as well. So this score could have been a little bit different if they were able to execute those possessions there. But I've been speaking to the team in the offseason before the season, season had began. They were like, we're really young, like in important key spots. I mean, shoot, their quarterback is a true freshman. Saying that at a school like Aquinas with all the rich tradition they have, that's kind of that's kind of crazy. And the fact that they've able to been able to grow over these two and a half months says a lot about where they are. I mean, they, I think that team today that lost to Pittsburgh, I believe, 6-0 isn't the team that they are today. Uh, but they're young everywhere, and they're continuing to get better. They took down a Hilton team that is physical, physical, and I can't with a capital P and put all the letters and capitals, capital letters. And Aquinas, by and large part, kind of held them in check. Robert Lowry had a couple runs bust out, but nothing crazy. Hey, I, I mean, look, Mr. Buttles, the freshman quarterback, I don't know about this year, but Section 5 will be on notice. Over the next few years, he's going to be somebody y'all going to have to watch out for because he can – He's he can throw make the throws and he also can lead a pocket real quick and take off for 70. So I Aquinas is a fun team to watch. And I'm really intrigued to see where they'll be up and where they'll end up in the next few weeks as we go into sectionals next week. Yeah, Trent Buttles, the freshman quarterback. I mean, you know, I, I heard how that game ended, and obviously when I saw the highlights, that was one heck of a play for that game winning touchdown with what a minute some odd left. That that's a ball player's play. Yeah, no, no, he he and he was throwing at the, the dude who caught it was the other quarterback too, like the quarterback who sometimes plays. So they got like a whole bunch of just underclassmen, freshmen. It was a freshman that got a pick in the game. They look Aquinas is young. This team is going to be really, really good for some years to come. Yeah, Darian Battle, their running back as well. Um, he, you know, he was our player of the week a couple of weeks ago. He's really uh, showing out so far this season. At number six, Hilton falls down two spots uh, at a five and two record. You know, we've talked a lot about Hilton on the show. They're tough. They're physical. They're Robert Lowry. You know, they're well coached. They're Robert Lowry. They got a good offensive line. They're Robert Lowry. And, you know, Robert Lowry has led them to a five and two record so far this season. So they're going to have another tough one in Hilton or excuse me, in you prep this uh, this season as they try and get back on track before the playoffs. They got him at home, though. So, I mean, that helps out a little bit, I guess. I think that would probably be their senior night or something. Homecoming, something. Regardless, it'll be one of those nights for them. Um Hey, you got a stiff test, and you prep. They really stout against the run, but Robert Lowry, I don't think he cares. So I can't wait to see how that one turn out. Yeah, hopefully uh, he doesn't need the ice bath too much after that one. And number seven, Aronicoit, uh, staying there, I believe. Uh, yeah, they were at. Uh, they were actually number six last year. They fall down because of uh, Aquinas rising up, but they had a really nice win against uh, Schrader. At Schrader, a Schrader team that we talked about a lot, we really like a lot, but now they're kind of on the. Uh, you know, they're on the, the brink of they're actually outside of the playoffs right now, three and four, which, you know, we knew that teams would miss the playoffs in class A, but I don't know if we expected a team with uh, as much talent and potential as Schrader to be on the outside looking in. But Ironicoy got it done without their senior or without their quarter ta- quarterback, Tatum McAberry. They got it done with uh, a Spencer Port-esque 1930s ground game. Cam Freeman had two touchdowns, two interceptions. Ground and pound and move to six and one on the season. They just keep winning. Like, I know they're not playing maybe the, the highest qualities of foes, but I mean, you only can play who's in front of you. And whether they're winning is convincing, and that style translates into the postseason. Yeah, but Schrader, no small feat. And then, you know, they played Victor, only uh, lost them by one in overtime, of course. 
Um, so Aronicoid, not a team that's going to be an easy out this postseason by any stretch of the imagination. Speaking of which, leading us a great transition to number eight, Canadagua. Uh, they kind of rolled uh, once again along there at five and two on the season. Their uh, closing schedule isn't too difficult. They've got, uh, they had Brockport last week, took care of them 34 7. They've got Eastridge this upcoming week at home. At number nine, Churchville Childlife, five and two on the season. They went into Thomas, beat the Titans by a touchdown. Uh, Ricky Lagaris, two touchdowns on the game once again. And then uh, Brighton at number 10, four and three. Obviously, we talked a lot about their game. Tough win or a tough way to lose, but they're four and three. They're at seventh in the class A standings. They're just trying to, to get a win to uh, to secure their playoff spot and, uh, you know, see if they can turn some of these close losses in the regular season into tight playoff wins. That whole class A bracket, uh, that's going to be chaos this week. I don't have the section five playoff calculator in front of me <laughs> and how they're going to quantify all this, but like five through like nine, I believe, or 10. I don't know how far Spencer Port's out of that race. But all those games are going to count. They're going to matter. I wish we knew, like, the the calculations on it. But regardless, man, all those teams, Brighton included, they're in for uh, a fun, fun Friday and Saturday. Yeah, 6 through 10 is really the sweet spot. Churchville Chile at 6, down to Spencerport at 10. That's where it really all can get uh, a little wonky there. Um, Arondicoit plays Brighton this week, so – a Brighton win would certainly keep them in the playoff picture. The one spot you really got to watch for is Churchville or uh, Gates Chile. They're at four and three on the season right now in the eight spot. Uh, they host Thomas. So if they win, they would most likely probably be in. However, there's so many caveats there because if you don't know the way that section five does this with the, the rankings, you get more points. If you beat a good team, you get less points. If you beat a bad team. So not only in this final week of the regular season, like, you know, Gates Chile is four and three with 34 rating points. Schrader is one point behind them. So if both Gates Chile and Schrader win, and then the teams that their respective teams have beaten also get wins, their points will become, it's, it's just, it's just hectic. And we're really not going to know quite exactly what happens until, uh, until things get wrapped up. But we're going to try our best to to hope to uh, to figure it out with you on Football Frenzy, and maybe they'll keep it easy for us and make it all crystal clear who's in those last eight spots. But uh, who knows? Kind of reminds me of the BCS days with college football <laughs> where, like, no one really knew how those things worked out except for the computers themselves, and that's how I'm kind of, like, getting a little flashback of those days right there. <laughs> And then moving into our small school rankings, uh, not that much to be said here because every single team won. Nobody really lost or uh, nobody played anybody tight. They shouldn't have played tight. They all stay the same. Monroe at number one, Leroy at number two, Attica Alexander at number three. Our class B teams, HFL at number four, Batavia at number five. Back down to class C, East Rochester Gananda, who did East Rochester Gananda did need a last second play. Uh, I think it was a touchdown as time expired to get that victory for them. So ERG just squeaking that one out. However, uh, we're not going to drop them in our standings for it. Letchworth Warsaw Perry at seven, Pembroke at eight, York Pavilion at nine, and Avon at 10. I do want to say one thing uh, Monroe this year, we haven't been to a lot of their games just because. Uh, about about five minutes in, those games are over. But I did get the chance to get out to uh, Monroe. They took on Wayne this week, and 
Oh boy. Kaya Moses, seven touchdowns, Carl. And those touchdowns were not a, a small degree of difficulty there. Nah, we're throwing back corner pylon throws. We're talking. Uh, look, he he's the real deal, surrounded by a whole bunch of Division One players. Like, I'm not just, like, saying that to say that. Like, those guys are Division One football players over there. I'm on roll on the outside for Kaya, uh, Kaya Moses. That team is really darn good. I can't wait for sectional play and beyond, presumably, for the Red Jackets because they are that darn talented. And the thing with Kaya Moses, seven touchdowns, obviously he has all these great weapons around him. But I think what's important is your quarterback's got to realize who he's got. He doesn't throw, you know, you know, short intermediate plays that the, the other team can pick off, things like that. He throws it and it's either his guy is going to go up and make a fantastic catch or it's going to be incomplete. And his stat line last week proves that. He was only 11 for 22. But seven of those went for touchdowns. He was one shy of the state record. So this guy knows what he's got on the outside, and he knows how to take advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like we're going deep every other play. And, hey, if it's incomplete, oh, well, but don't worry. We threw it to Messiah one play, and then we'll throw it to Styles the next play. Don't like, don't worry. The receivers will be okay. They'll be all right. Their hamstrings will be all right. Yeah, so the high school football season, regular season, just about winding down. Sectional is going to start up next week. However, in other sports, some sports, they have already uh, heated up. Tennis is already in the books, uh, all their sectional tournaments. I believe golf just wrapped up as well. And then we've got soccer uh, into the heat of things. Both the boys and the girls played, I think, their pre-quarter. Some have played their quarterfinals. Some are already in the championship game. We'll, We'll talk about that in a little bit, but... We got some great soccer coming up for you, uh, especially with our, we're going to preview our large school brackets, our AAA, our AA and A. Unfortunately, we don't have enough time to get to every single bracket, but there there are a lot of talented teams uh, in the small schools here in section five. But Carl, why don't you start us off with our boys uh, section? We'll start with AAA here. AAA, the big dogs, the new classification this year across New York state. Fairport is the top dog in that. Uh, the one seed, they'll be taking on the winner of East and World of Inquiry. That game between East and World of Inquiry will be played, I believe, tonight as we're recording this uh, on a Thursday. Um, McQuaid is also facing Russian Rietta on the other side of the bracket. Um, I think this is kind of a classification, I mean, a bracket, excuse me, uh, Fairport and McQuaid race to a certain extent. Um, both teams are ranked in the state, Fairport 18th and McQuaid 20th, respectively. McQuaid, I believe, has only lost to Aquinas and Spencerport in Section 5 play, so they haven't really um, suffered too many L's in Section 5 um, in the Rochester uh, region, excuse me. So this will kind of be a fun one that we presume will be the state champ, not the state championship, the sectional championship. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm talking about states, and we still in, we didn't even make, we ain't even in the playoffs yet for, uh, for football. But regardless, um, that would be the 27th. Um, that'll be, I believe that will be next Friday. So it'll be um, AAA. Big dogs, uh, Fairport, I mean, excuse me, McQuaid is coming off that tough regular season loss to Aquinas, so I'm sure that they want to get back in the swing of things uh, heading into the playoffs. Yeah, McQuaid obviously last year going on that deep postseason run, making it all the way to the state championship game. Uh, In this new classification, AAA, McQuaid really hasn't had quite probably the regular season they were hoping for so far. Um, Played a lot of tough teams so far, suffered a, a handful of tough losses, but They've got the uh, the pedigree. They've got, uh, you know, the, the history. They've got some talented players on their side, and Fairport's going to try and uh, hold serve on that number one seat. 
And then we're going to drop down to double A. It's kind of weird. Some of these teams were in A before, and now that they're uh, in double A now, they're still not even going to get used to this. We got this in basketball too, don't we? We got this in basketball too. It is kind of a fun bracket though. You kind of get like the cream of the crop of class A up with the double A. I I don't like it as a whole, but it's interesting. That's for sure. Definitely. You got some teams that usually aren't up against each other. So I think that's where uh, it's kind of cool. But Spencer Port, always the top dogs on the girls side this year for the boys as well. They are the one seed followed by Churchville, Chile, Hilton, and then Penfield. Um, Spencer Port is ranked sixth in the state. So they're, getting a ton of love, not just here in Section 5, but the state at large. They took down Churchville Chile 1-0 twice this year, so it's not like they're head and shoulders above um, this entire classification. And they did lose to Penfield 2-0, who is the 4 seed. So once again, this can get a little little, uh, little weird real quick if Spencerport has an off day, but they did beat Hilton 2-0 as well. So this classification, I know Spencerport's a top dog. You presume that they'll run away with it. Not so fast, my friends. This can get real funny real quick. Yeah, Spencerport and Penfield, obviously, you know, two of these teams that wouldn't exactly play each other uh, in a normal year, quote unquote. But that's going to be a, a fun, uh, fun tournament. You mentioned those top four teams. It really does seem like those four are kind of a, a cut above the rest. But if we get those four teams, you know, these these quarterfinal games are going to be played on Friday. And then into next week is going to be the uh, the semifinals of the championship game. Those four teams are going to be just a, a really fun final four if that's exactly how they uh, they shape out there. And then wrapping up the big schools with Class A, I think this is a team who's a cut above the rest, Aquinas. They are, uh, had an undefeated regular season with a 14-0-2 record, followed by Pittsburgh Sutherland, the two-seed, HFL with the three, and then Wayne at the four-seed. Once again, I think it's another class where the top four teams have kind of separated themselves a little bit. Olympia is the five-seed. They've had a a pretty darn good year for in their own right. So shout out to them. But Aquinas did face Sutherland this year, beat them 5-2. And then they did face Wayne and beat them 2-0. I believe you've seen Aquinas, um, their highlights. I've seen them as well. That's a team that when they're clicking, boy, we could give them a ton of love. I think almost every week here on the high school huddle with how well they play and how cool they are. Um, so if they take care of business, I think this is a team that should be raising a brick um, rather shortly. Yeah, you know, they were our uh, our primetime 5A5 spotlight team of the week as well. Um, so Aquinas just looked really good so far this season. You know, they've had some soccer success in the past, but this year they've really taken it to the next level. They're at number two in the state. Nobody else in Class A. Uh, your next best is Sutherland at, at uh, 13th in the state. And uh, as you talked about earlier, Aquinas is really taking care of them in the postseason. Um, so, but a postseason is going to be a different type of thing. You know, you get a, a bad weather game, you get a goalie, you know, make a couple key saves. You never know exactly what's going to happen, Carl. A couple of people get fouled in a penalty box. Now you got an easy goal. Crazier things have happened in soccer. I haven't, I'm not the biggest soccer guy, but even I know that after a couple of games that I've watched, I watched a couple of World Cups in my day, AJ. Let me <laughs> tell you. Let me tell you. It can get real funny real quick any given day out there on the pitch. Yeah, so those so those brackets should be fun. Um, there's some strong teams in our small schools. Fillmore is uh, undefeated in Class D and boys. East Rochester really good in Class C. They're ranked third in the state. Uh, Livonia number fourth in the state. Um, so some some talent up and down the board. We're gonna now turn our attention to girls soccer. Our AAA standings, our, our sectionals. It is already set. Is gonna be Rush Henrietta and Fairport, and this is is one of those. 
regions, uh, if you want to say it, these sections where the class AAA really, you know, makes things a little funky. Rush Henrietta in our sectional championship game, they won just one game in the regular season. Now they're in your sectional championship game as they take care of RCSD United only by a 1-0 game. So uh, shout out to the to the RCSD United for keeping that one close. Uh, but Fairport won both games in the regular season. Uh, they played each other twice. It was 1-0, and then it was 3-1. So it seems like Fairport's going to win this thing. After that, uh, not expecting too much. Fairport's record isn't too stellar in their own regards, and uh, they are unranked in uh, Class AAA. So uh, one of those regions, uh, you know, those sections where this, uh, uh, you know, this extra classification uh, produces a little wonky result here. Who cares about my opinion? Some, some team, whether some young group of young ladies will get to celebrate a sectional title. It doesn't matter what no one else thinks. Y'all get to be sectional champs, so that's all that really matters. Down to Class AA, the Spencerport region, 70-2, and two, their goal differential in the regular season. They have won seven straight sectional championship games. The Rangers, the top seed. However, let's not give them the sectional championship just yet. You got some talented teams in there. Uh, Thomas at number three, ranked Schrader at number two, ranked. And at number seven, the Athena Trojans. Rihanna Hudson is back. Since they have gotten Hudson back, they are 6-0 and on the season. They won their last six down the home stretch. Their schedule isn't exactly super-duper tough in those six games. However, they did beat Menden 3-1, to so that's uh, no small feat there. If we get... You know, Athena is going to have to work hard to get to that sectional championship game because of that low seed. They're going to have to beat Schrader. Uh, they play them this Saturday. They're probably going to have to beat Thomas. But if they can get through both of those games, talk about Rihanna Hudson, a cut above the rest, literally, figuratively, six foot two, Rihanna Hudson, number one sports center, top 10, Rihanna Hudson. They, she's, they've got some talented other players on Athena, but it's Rihanna Hudson versus the Spencerport machine, senior laden. 70 and two goal differential, seven straight sectional championships. If those two teams meet, that that would just be a must-see game. I just can't wait for the storylines of that one. I mean, shoot. I mean, that's happened in sports before with like one team has kind of carried a, a actually what comes to mind, different sport, but Caitlin Clark leading Iowa all the way to the natty <laughs> against LSU, who was like had all the stars. That's uh-huh. kind of what it was like, what would it feel like if they were to get to that point? That's far-fetched. I mean, that's a couple games away. But, boy, looking ahead, that would be a really, really dope uh, game if that turned out that way. Yeah, so we will see if that it turns out to be the case. If it does, I mean, worth the price of admission alone. Uh, that's, that's just going to be one heck of a game. Uh, Mercy also a little feisty at 12th seed. Uh, they upset Hilton um, in the five. Hilton was uh, state-ranked. Uh, going into this tournament so a lot to watch in class double a and then in class a once again you've got aquinas at the number one spot uh with a a stellar regular season ranked eighth in the state um, you've got three teams that i think you really kind of got to keep your eyes out for here you've got sutherland you've got uh, aquinas of course and then you've got palmac because palmac's got maya ikewood and i don't want to count her out at any time Ah, excuse me, Palmac does play Batavia in the quarterfinals, which should be a really good game in its own right. Batavia, state-ranked going into this one. But Aquinas has 
handled most of these teams so far. They beat Palmac four to one. They did kind of just play Sutherland on October 7th. They beat them one nothing. So that's going to be a tight game as well. And then how about this result for Aquinas? They only lost to Spencerport one nothing, which is almost, I know Carl's not a fan of quality loss, but that's one heck of a quality loss for your resume. Nah, speaking of like, just like matchups and all that though, this is a classification or matchup we wouldn't have gotten in the past. Aquinas being in the same bracket with a Sutherland. So I think that's also kind of cool to uh, see Aquinas getting, even though they're a private school, I get it. Saying bumped up with like a Sutherland, it's kind of weird to say, but in the past they weren't in their classification. So I think it is kind of cool that we could possibly get a matchup of that magnitude um, that we wouldn't have seen in previous uh, postseasons. Yeah, I think you also got to talk about Palmac as well. Um, they were in Class B1 before moving up to this Class A. They had won the last two sectional championships. They would have won most likely in 2020, except um, unfortunately their whole team was COVID and contact tracing. Uh, remember those days? Um, we don't remember them too fondly, but uh, should be a lot of fun in both of these brackets. Uh, as we mentioned, most of these in the quarterfinals, into the semifinals, we're starting to get out to these playoffs. Carl, you were at a great game uh, this past week. Uh, things are things are really heating up. They, is, they they really are, though. Double overtime. Brockport beat Thomas. I was cold, but it is what it is. Uh, my man, I forget his name off the top of my head, but y'all got to check out the highlight. The goal was tough. Like, it was one of those goals where it, the game was so slow. Like, I really wasn't expecting it, and then it happened, and I was like, wait a second. They're not about to count that, are they? Like, that, I just haven't seen a goal in, like, an hour. Like, there's no way. And Brockport pulled off the upset 11 over 6, I believe. That time of year where wonky things happen. I remember two years ago, Athena uh, went to, like, shoot up PKs with, I think, Schrader or something like that. Regardless, Sutherland, I think, maybe. Sutherland, or maybe yeah, at I, I, Sutherland. Either way. Yeah, but regardless, this time of year, PKs, OT, tight games. I'm all for it. Yeah, it seems like all of these uh, soccer games go to overtime. So <laughs> uh, we'll be getting out there to do a bunch of them. Hopefully these teams score early and often for us. But as we know, often not the case. So we got the, uh, the high school football last week of the regular season uh, coming up this weekend for you on Football Frenzy. A lot of great games on Friday. Good one on Saturday, McQuaid and Aquinas. Now, even, you know, a couple of weeks ago, this looked like a McQuaid blowout. Um, now it's going to be a really good game. Uh, Aquinas is figuring things out. That game is going to be played at the U of R. We got Monroe Madness at the Blue Cross Arena. Uh, you know, uh, the Jim Beheim era is over, even though he's going to be now on your TVs on ESPN, apparently. So a lot of great things coming up uh, in local sports. We'll be with you every step of the way. That'll do it for us today on the High School Huddle. For Carl Jones, I am AJ Fellman. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. You can catch us on RochesterFirst.com and YouTube for the video versions of this podcast. You can listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We also really appreciate it. Like, comment, rate, subscribe. Give us all the praise you want. We always appreciate it. For Carl, I am AJ. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. It's now time to break the huddle. We will be back with you next week. Actually, now that I think about it, the uh, the the, uh, the Bills and the Buccaneers play Thursday night football, so I'm not sure. Uh, we're either going to have it on a different day of the week or we're not going to have a huddle next week. So we'll see you at some point. I don't know when. I don't know where. But we'll see you then. Until then, thanks for watching. We'll see you then.